my mom has always told me that home is wherever you are. And the way I've embraced this philosophy throughout my adult life is by intentionally curating the places that I've inhabited. The thing is, while having the world's most Instagrammable abode can feel really good, if you're neglecting your mind, no amount of Monstera plants is going to help you feel good for long. In order to truly feel at home, we have got to attend to the homes within our minds. And this is what this episode is all about. Creating a home within. certified health and meditation instructor, well-being advocate, and the deputy director of enterprise for Refinery29 on Bothered. On this podcast, I create space for listeners to step into the highest versions of themselves. And I do that through meditation, affirmations, and my own self-reflection. For regular mind-body check-ins and practical tools for living fully, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. When I first moved into my studio apartment in Bed-Stuy in 2021, I was so excited to make the place my own because I had spent my first few years back at NYC doing quite a bit of moving around. When I first got back to the city in January 2016, I was crashing on a Pierce couch in Crown Heights, Brooklyn for a few days. And then days later, I found a room in an apartment uptown in the Heights. Three months later, that April, Because my commute to work from the tip of Manhattan all the way down to Midtown was a lot, and believe me, it can be a lot early morning during rush hour. The trains are packed and there's so many delays. But because of that, and because living with four roommates and five cats was also becoming a lot, I moved into a bedroom that had opened up in a longtime friend's home apartment. Then in 2018, I moved back to Crown Heights to rent out an apartment with my partner at the time. And then when things ended up dissolving between the two of us just months later, I moved into literally a matchbox size bedroom in Bushwick until I was eventually able to move out on my own. I remember telling my therapist at the time that I really wasn't feeling rooted in New York City, which at the time I couldn't really understand because I considered New York to be my second home. But then she pointed out the fact that I had moved like four times since being back. And that was really a light bulb moment for me. Because like not only had I spent under 10 months in each place I lived, with the exception of Harlem, I actually was there for about a year and a half. But I never really found the time to ground down into my spaces, you know, to really decorate and like, buy nice sheets and get cute furniture and like all that cute stuff. I had two roommates when I was living in Bushwick. And when one of them moved out during the pandemic, I took over her bedroom as my personal office space. That was nice. But by that point, honestly, I was desperately craving solitude. So I started looking for my own place toward 
the end of 2020. Okay, so back to my studio in Bed-Stuy. Once upon a time, before I thought I'd go to school to become a psychologist and before I eventually settled on majoring in communications and working in media, I thought that I would potentially study interior design. Now, if you don't know this about me, I'll tell you, interior decorating is so much fun for me and I, I will literally get lost in a West Elm for like an hour. While most kids were like coming home and watching after school cartoons and programming and stuff like that, I was actually watching like TLC home makeovers and HGTV and stuff. So that's just a little background on me. That being said, before I had even signed the lease on my studio in Bed-Stuy, I created a mood board on Pinterest so I could start visualizing what I wanted my space to look and feel like. And I'm talking everything from what textiles I wanted in my place to the art I wanted on the walls and what sort of plants I wanted to have, the color scheme I wanted to create throughout, all those things. And this really, really ended up working out for me. If you followed me on IG before I archived most of my photos, or if you follow my cat's IG page, then you've seen the oasis that I was able to create for myself. That was my sanctuary. That was my Zen cave. That space really allowed me to come into myself in a way I'd yet to in my adulthood. You know, my, my spiritual relationship with self grew so much in that space. I came into fully embracing my queerness and my sexuality in that space. I started my wellness coaching journey with Chopra in that space. So much happened in that space because I made it a place in which my soul was able to truly flourish. There's psychology in interior design. I always say that interior design is a psychological art. And I describe it this way because it literally uses knowledge from psychology to improve the emotional impacts of a space. For example, reducing clutter and opening up space can create a sense of freedom and allows us to think more clearly. Or bringing in elements of nature like plants and flowers, can really create an optimal atmosphere for relaxation and health. This form of environmental psychology, it has been around forever. We see it in the Vastu Shastra, which is Indian's ancient guide for a positive home. And we also see it in feng shui, which is the ancient Chinese traditional practice in which you use the arrangement of buildings and objects and the organization of a space within a room in order to harmonize individuals with their surrounding environment. In addition to that, scientists have shown the ability of interior design elements to have a really positive or negative emotional response in people depending on how you set up a space. There was a study that I'll link to in the episode description that found that college students were able to study better depending on the color of their communal hall, for example. The way your space is set up has an effect on your happiness, your attitudes, even even the temperature in a given space can have an effect on you. All this information became 
so useful during the pandemic, particularly in 2020 when everyone was on lockdown and forced to stay inside. If you went on YouTube, you saw an uptick in people reinventing their homes. And it was because we knew that we were going to be spending more time inside. And so we wanted to make sure that our spaces were optimal for our mental health and well-being. So I had really tapped into this, right? But there came a point probably right around the time that I renewed my lease at the end of my first uh, year in that space where I was no longer feeling settled in my spirit. And it ultimately boils down to the facts that I wasn't attending to my inner world as much as I was my outer world. This is somewhat related to the misalignment I spoke of two episodes ago, where I spoke about getting reconnected with my core values and just really finding myself again. In the same way a tidy room can help us sleep better, having a cozy inner world is what really allows us to tap in and do the inner work. We've got to clear that space out in order to really see what's there and to see what we need to work on. Why else is it important to create a home within ourselves? If we don't feel at home within ourselves, we aren't going to feel at home anywhere else. I was reading an article on, I believe, The Daily Shine. I'll double check that and I'll put the link to that article in the episode description. But this writer was talking to a mindfulness teacher named Kate Mitchum. And basically what she was saying about the idea of creating a home within oneself, she said the idea is that you can be anywhere and be comfortable. The challenge isn't to be mindful when things are good. It's to be mindful when things are difficult. So essentially, no matter what's happening around you, You feel at ease, you feel safe, you feel clear, and you feel grounded. She added that there's a sort of misconception that if we get the external world correct, then we'll feel at home and comfortable all the time. But you can try to set everything up in your home to be beautiful, to be cozy, to be aesthetically pleasing, and it doesn't always work out. Connecting with ourselves becomes especially tricky when we live in a society where we're often thinking about everything but the here and now, right? We're always on the go. We're always thinking about our next task. We're always thinking about our next destination, when we're going to prepare our next meal, and the work meeting we have to present at next week. Thich Nhat Hanh once said that your true home is in the here and now. But when we spend so much time focused on the past and we spend so much time worrying about the future, it's really hard to feel at home in your present life. 
So today, I just wanted to share a few ways that you can begin to create a home within yourself. And these are some ways that have truly helped me over the past few years, but the past few months especially. One, assess your environment. In some cases, I think our environment can really hinder our ability to fully connect with ourselves the way we need in order for self-development to happen. Take me living in New York as an example. I had to change my environment, which in my case looks like moving back home. And I had to do this in order to come home to myself. And that's because being back in South Florida has truly allowed me to begin going back inward and reconnecting with myself and my mind and my body and my spirit because I'm now in a place that allows for more ease and more stillness. I'm not even going to front. The serotonin and the dopamine boost I've been getting from all the extra sun has also been really helpful. So ask yourself if this is what you need. Now, the answer won't be yes for everyone. I recognize not everyone can just pack up and move this instance. But it's a great place to begin reflecting if you feel like something is hindering you from starting the process of finding home within yourself altogether. Maybe it's not a move to a different city or a different state, but maybe it's just time to switch up your place a bit. Or maybe it's time to consider looking for a new place when your lease runs out. Figure out a way that your environment can maybe serve you better in this process. Second thing, start each day by getting grounded. I can't stress this enough. Creating space for yourself first thing in the morning is the first step to nurturing a relationship with yourself. In the same way that quality time can strengthen our relationships with others, Quality time spent with ourselves really helps us to feel good about and with ourselves. You know, because like when you feel good in any relationship, there's a sense of safety that comes with that, right? It's the foundation of feeling at home with someone else. In this case, it's the foundation of feeling at home with you. Third thing, Move your body. I know a raised heart rate and sweat beats dripping down your face may not be the visual that immediately comes to mind when you think about getting grounded, unless you're imagining like hot yoga. But exercise really does ground us. Whether you're someone who enjoys cardio activities like running and cycling, or you prefer something more slow and steady like strength training or yoga or qigong, not only does movement help us to get more connected with our bodies, but it has been found that people who exercise regularly tend to be more grounded in how they eat, they're more grounded in how they sleep, they're more grounded in their exercise and they maintain themselves. And this truly positively impacts their mental state. I never feel more centered and more grounded in myself than when I am making sure that I'm carving out 15 to 30 minutes of movement three to five times a week. 
It serves my mental health. I feel capable in my body. I feel strong. And I just feel more aware of how I'm moving in the world. The fourth thing, check in with yourself throughout the day. We hold a lot of tension in our bodies throughout the day, and sometimes we don't even realize it. And that's why it's important to check in with ourselves periodically. I know for me, it's really important that I set aside time to take multiple short breaks throughout the day. And during those breaks, what I'll do is I'll check in with myself. You know, how am I feeling? How is the way that I'm feeling manifesting in my body? Are my shoulders tense? Is my breathing shallow? I used to have a reminder on my iPhone set to go off every day at noon to remind myself to pause and to breathe and to ask myself these questions. So if you're like me and you tend to lose track of time when you're logged into your nine to five, I highly recommend giving this a try. The next thing, embrace discomfort. When we first become more intentional about slowing down and getting still and connecting with our breath, it is not uncommon for uncomfortable feelings to arise. This is because we spend most of our time either compartmentalizing difficult feelings or we just ignore them altogether because we're always moving. So if you do find your brain spiraling, whether it starts to wallow in the past or worry about the future, in that moment of slowing down, just allow yourself to surrender to it and to be with it. Because if you're trying to bury negative emotions, I promise you more often than not, they're just going to return later. Not only does it prevent you from staying in the present moment and staying connected with yourself, but ignoring negative emotions also does not allow us to transmute them. If you haven't listened to the last episode, I highly recommend you cue it up after this one because I talk all about surrender and how to lean in to uncomfortable and challenging moments for the betterment of ourselves. And finally, my friends, the last piece in this whole creating a home within self thing is that you need to give yourself some grace. Cultivating a home within is a journey. It's it's not a one and done process. It's it's a lifelong experience because feeling at home within yourself is going to take a lot of bending and shifting depending on how life moves and where it takes you. So don't be hard on yourself if you have a wonderful connection with yourself one second and you're feeling like super grounded and and super tapped in and then the next second you're feeling lost and disconnected. It happens. And when it does, just take a breath And know that this experience is all about life's ebbs and flows. And all you need to do is learn to ride the wave. So I'll end it there for this week. Again, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, I highly recommend you do so. It's got some really good juicy gems about surrendering and flowing and riding the wave and all that good stuff that 
think will really serve you in this process of going within and slowing down and getting grounded within yourself. Here's to having a fantastic week. And if you begin to implement any of this in your day to day, I would love to hear about how it serves you. I'll talk to you the Sunday after next. Love you all. Bye y'all. me by emailing me at hello at stephrlong.com or by hitting me up on Instagram at stephrlong. If you feel moved to support me, I welcome you to leave a review or you can buy me a cup of tea by visiting the coffee link in the episode description. But most importantly, don't forget to share this episode with your friends.